It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Jumbo Package NFL Podcast is sponsored by Batavia's Original Pizzeria. Paulie and I named this podcast the Jumbo Package because we're both huge football fans and also because we're both big dudes who love to eat. And since both of us grew up in western New York, that means we've enjoyed food from Batavia's Original too many times to count. Batavia's Original was founded in 1947 and has been serving Batavia and all of western New York unbelievable Italian food ever since. Batavia's Original welcomes families, sports teams, other large groups, and even third graders on their very first date with their elementary school girlfriend. That's right. 17 years ago, I went on my first date at Batavia's Original. If you're a Western New Yorker or even just driving through Western New York, you aren't eating right if you aren't stopping at Batavia's Original. Batavia's Original, the official sponsor of the Jumbo Package NFL Podcast. Welcome, football fans, to the Jumbo Package NFL Podcast. I'm Sonny Giuliano. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Paul Clark. We have a special edition, NFL Week 13 slash College Football Championship Weekend Recap Pod for you late on this Sunday night. Paulie, what's going on, my man? Not too much, brother. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a... A wild 48 hours or so of football these last two days uh, crammed quite a bit of the football in on my schedule. So just recovering from that, trying to, to digest everything, we, we obviously have a lot to go over um, tonight. And uh, just a note for all the listeners, we we didn't do our Week 13 Picks podcast Um We'll be back with our normal weekly picks pod next week for the week 15 slate, and we'll be continuing that weekly for the final three weeks of the regular season and then all the way through Super Bowl 53. Um, for now, we we should start with NFL, um, since that's what we normally do. Um, so just first thoughts, what, what stood out to you on this uh, – on the Sunday of, of football. I, I guess maybe the first thing we should talk about is the Sunday night football game that literally just ended 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I mean, crazy game. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, the Chargers caught a lot of lucky bounces, but, you know, in the end, the, their defense made plays, that you know, their special teams made a play, and, uh, you know, they, they had a big comeback. That was... Uh, that was a really big win for the Chargers tonight, and they're uh, right on the Chiefs' heels right now. Really fun game. Two really talented teams on both sides of the ball. Um, I, I personally wouldn't mind if that was the the wild card matchup that we got 
in about a month from now, and it's looking like it might turn out to to be that way. Um, it's just a heck of a game. I mean, there, there was a stat that they put up. Uh, it was either as the Chargers were making their comeback or right near the end um, after they they had taken the lead. Uh, the Steelers were 220-0-2 in their franchise history when leading by 14 or more points at home before this game. So that was the first time uh, – they, they had ever blown a lead like that. I I heard literally two minutes before we got on the call, they were the last team in the league to never lose a game at home that they're up by 16 or more points. Wow. So <clears throat> I mean, for the that coach, streak is, is no longer intact. I mean, to make that comeback was huge. I mean, you got to remember, too, they did it without Melvin Gordon. Right. That was uh, that was a gutsy that was a gutsy win tonight for the Chargers, who who looked like they were about ready to get blown out at halftime. Yeah, uh, they they did get pre- pretty good production from Eckler and Justin Jackson. They not Melvin Gordon, um, but if they could get second half, he, second half, but first half not so much. Second half, right, much better. I think they found some with that, like uh, they were running like a inside draw or whatever that mm-hmm. had a lot of success. But you know, you know, they found something they liked. They were running quick hitters. With, you know, Keenan Allen had a phenomenal game, and and you know they made plays. I, I mean, that cr- the craziest play of the night had to be that one touchdown when Joe Hayden looked to have a clear interception and the yeah. just drilled him, and the ball just pops in the air and Keenan Allen scores a touchdown. I mean, right there is the play where. I just kind of looked at Eric, and I'm like, that's not a good sign for you, bro. <laughs> like, no. Like, when plays like that happen against you, it's like, uh, this might not be our night. Yeah, yeah. It, on that play, it kind of felt like momentum swung a little bit. You could you could feel it in the stadium. And, you know, what was really impressive to me was, you know, they – it's 23-23, and uh, – it, they, the Chargers get the ball back, and the crowd is just going nuts. And the Chargers drive down just a really nice mix of run and pass. So it was a seven-play, 72-yard touchdown drive um, that put them up 30-23. to 23. In that spot in the fourth quarter against that crowd and that defense, that really felt like a kind of season-defining drive for the Chargers. It was just like they could kind of do whatever they wanted. Um, Keenan Allen legitimately established himself for, for a portion of the the football audience that doesn't catch a lot of Chargers football. Uh, a, a kind of a coming out party for him as a legit number one receiver who could really take over a game. And, you know, we have been touting him for years on this podcast, but Philip Rivers was awesome in this game. Yeah, he stood in the pocket, made some great throws, you know, took some hits. Uh, they converted a big third down on the last drive, on the game-winning drive. He took a solid shot, just stood mm-hmm. right in there and, and hit Keenan Allen for a big first down what, and what eventually turned out to be, you know, the game-winning basically throw that got him, you know, into 
into solid field goal range, I should say. Right. So that I mean, that was a great game. We and we've said it before. When you have a really good Sunday night game, it makes it kind of elevates the whole the the Sunday as a whole. Um, and that one delivered. What stood out from you or for you uh, in the the earlier games, the afternoon slate? What what did you see that you found interesting? Um, you know, Seahawks Seahawks look good. Uh, they're making mm-hmm. a decent run. Uh, Packers quit. You know, Packers are done. Mike McCarthy obviously fired. Uh, I think we talked about that at the beginning of the year. I think we both had him on the hot seat. Um, Reluctantly. It, it, it felt weird to put him on the hot seat, but we kind of, uh, you know, we we talked it through, and we agreed that he was like the only legitimate option because the quarterbacks that all the teams had in place were guys that weren't in danger of being yanked at any time. Um, you know, Trubisky, it was his first full year as a starter. Uh, the Vikings invested a lot of money in bringing Kirk Cousins in. Rodgers is one of the greatest of all time. And Stafford, you know, for what he is, he's been a really uh, steady influence on a Lions team that for a very long time couldn't get any sort of consistency at quarterback. And they, there wasn't really a scenario where he was going to be benched or on the hot seat this year. And then all the other coaches, you had two first-year coaches in Detroit and Chicago. Um there, there wasn't going to be a coaching change in Minnesota after a 13-3 year last year. Uh, so really, it kind of only left McCarthy. I didn't think that we were going to see the season from hell for, from Green Bay. This really kind of has been the worst-case scenario season for the Packers. And look, we we talk about it every week, all the really innovative head coaches in the league and offensive minds guys like Sean McVay and Sean Payton and Andy Reid and all these young coordinators who have really revolutionized offensive football, and you watch the Packers and they just they aren't doing any of that. Um, so to me, it was a change that they had to make. Yeah, I mean, it was time. I, you could tell the Packers, you know, they – I, I think going into the year, Rodgers was a little sour about how a few things went down in the off season. Um, you know, obviously they they had some bad breaks early in the year. Um, you know, injuries. Uh, you know, but in the end, they just have no no. Uh, their play calling is very blah. You know, they, they have no imagination. Right. It's it's play calling out of the NFL in 2013. Yeah, I mean, it's just like Aaron Rodgers, please make a play for us. And, mm-hmm. you know, he does a lot. But, you know, they're, I mean, Devontae Adams is a great player. But after that, look, look at who he's got out there. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of no names. Yeah, I mean, it's not good. Um, the move had to be made. You know, I, I, I'm interested to see um, wh- where they're looking at. For a head coach, I, I myself would kind of make a run at Josh McDaniels. Mm. But I, I think that would be a you know interesting um, combination to you know give Rogers that type of play caller. Yeah. Um, speaking of Josh McDaniels, I thought the Patriots looked very good today. 
Um, yeah, both sides of the ball. I thought I was impressed. I thought they dominated the Vikings. I, I think we both liked the Vikings to at least cover in that game. And they yep. really didn't have a shot. I mean, it was close for a little bit, but the Patriots kind of dominated there in the end. Um, I, I I think, uh, you know, the Chiefs scored a lot of points today, but they didn't quite look like themselves all cream high. I think that running game is not going to be the, obviously not going to be the same. Um, I, I'm interested to see. Obviously, it's fresh, so they didn't have a lot of time to prepare without him. So I'm interested to see what it looks like going down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, early, the early afternoon games, you, you know, they're, I, I kind of, you know, uh, I thought the Rams looked flat. They still scored 30. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, me and Uncle Joe were talking how their offense didn't look great today, and I said, you know, I said, it's funny because we kind of said it last night. We were talking, and, and he said, you know, Oklahoma did, offense didn't look great today. I said, you know what, you're right. They really didn't have rhythm. But then you look at the score, and they had 39. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, that's how good their offense is. And and, and it was kind of the same thing today. The Rams kind of looked like they were just going through the motions. End of the game, they got 30. Like, uh, It does kind of seem like the Rams have had a lot of games like that, though, doesn't it? crazy. Um, I thought the Colts laid an egg today. Um, you know, they couldn't get Yeah, any I, I, that, that was a weird game. Yeah, couldn't get any points. Um, they had a few shots early to get the lead. Um, I, I didn't like a few of the play calls. You know, we, we've been high on Frank Reich on here. I thought today wasn't his best day. I, I, thought, I thought he got a little kind of, you know, he kind of got tricky when he didn't have to on a few big plays. Um, just my opinion, I guess, if they work, he looked, you know, we're, we're saying other things, but they didn't. So, you know, I, I'm not a real big fan of a tight end reverse on fourth and one. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't put the ball in Luck's hand and let, let him try to make a play, in my opinion. Uh, they ran a couple You know what, though? It, it, that, that, it, that's is very much a if it works we go crazy giving him praise though because on the flip side you look at what the bears did on fourth and goal putting the ball in five six three cohen's hands to throw pass into the end zone to to anthony miller and it works and it's like okay man Nagy's a genius um but I, I, I see where you're coming from. And that, that's just, that's the nature of the NFL. That's the nature of being a play caller is if it works, you are a genius. If it doesn't work, well, you know, everyone gets to question your decision making. It, you just have to take it. Um, but obviously when you, your offense can't put up any points, yeah, it's not your best day. I've come I've come to the conclusion I, I mean I, I'm looking at the Houston Texans as a serious mm-hmm. serious mm-hmm. right now. I think you know you look at both sides of the ball um their defensive line is just really good they get after it um and offensively you know they got a good running game um Deshaun's you know back in his groove 
and the pickup of Demarius Thomas to me was really good. Uh, I dislike the they needed it. They needed it after Fuller went down. They yeah. needed another guy. I really like him and, and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Just a great combination. And uh, you look at it, you know, before the season started, I think we both agreed the NFC was much better. And I think looking at it now, AFC's AFC's pretty tough from top to bottom. Yeah, and it's really interesting. And this was something I wanted to talk about. We're, we're three quarters of the way through the season. Um, so two of the NFL topics I wanted to talk about were MVP candidates and the playoff rates. Um, I think if you look at the NFC, I think you could probably – even after that Saints loss at Dallas on Thursday night, I think you could still make the case that the two best teams in the league are the Rams and Saints. But top to bottom, the teams that are going to be in the AFC, it feels like it, at least the top five, the top five in the AFC are all really good. I, I think there's a chance that by the time we get to the playoffs that, you know, good health pending you might be able to make a really good argument for any of those top five teams to win the AFC. Like, it wouldn't, it, with the way Houston is playing, with, with the kind of pressure that their defensive line can get on you, if they could just keep Deshaun Watson upright, they they could be anybody in the AFC. To me, they're the type of team that the Chiefs don't want to play. Right. Just a team with a ferocious defensive line. They're going to kind of ball control it, make the game a little, you know, and it's not going to be such a fast break game. Um, but I see with the Texans, I, I think they're even a team that could score points with Kansas City. Oh, they can. I mean, we we've seen them explode in certain games. Yeah, they, they definitely can. I mean, they can. and when you have a guy, when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins too, that speaking of receivers who could take over games, he's one of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, the the race to to get one of the top three spots in the AFC playoff picture is going to be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch because I don't think any team is going to want to fall before and have to play either Kansas City or the Chargers. Um, you want to draw whoever it is that ends up Number six, whether that's Baltimore, who's seven and five now, or one of the teams from this cluster that's six and six, Miami, Indy, Denver, Tennessee. Um, <clears throat> looking at the schedules, it it looks like it might be Denver or Tennessee who gets that spot. They they both have very favorable schedules down the stretch. Um, out of that mix, I personally like Baltimore the best. I just think having Lamar in there is a different dynamic offensively. Um, defensively, they were great last year. They're just as good this year. Um, I, I think they present the most problems for for any team if you have to play a six seed. Uh, but th- those top five, it's going to be really tough. To me, in the NFC, I, I still don't see a team that is going to disrupt an L.A. New Orleans conference championship game. I, it looks hard. I mean, Dallas has Dallas has a recipe. I mean, 
if there's one team that can do it, you know, as much as I can't believe I'm saying this, I mean, their defense, man, their defense is really good. That was one of the, the that was probably the best team defensive performance we've seen all year. Yeah, it was, I mean, them two young linebackers are really good. I really, you know, we, we talked about how you stop New Orleans and neither of us are defensive masterminds, so we didn't have any, uh, remarkable answers there, but we, we talked about how Baltimore, if you look at that tape, if you're a defensive coach or you're trying to figure out how to stop New Orleans, if you look at the tape from the game between New Orleans and Baltimore, that, that's probably, uh, the best you're going to be able to do. They held the Saints to 26. Um, it, it it didn't really resemble the Saints team that we've seen the last few weeks when they've just been scoring 40 and 50 points every week. Uh, I did not think there was a scenario where they would where the Saints would be held to 10 points. I just I didn't see it. Um, I picked Dallas to cover in that game. I thought they'd hang in there. Um, I kind of expected it to be the type of game that Baltimore played them. I thought it, you know, it might be 27-20 or 28-23, something like that. But I didn't think 13-10 was in the cards. I definitely did not. Impressive, impressive defensive performance by the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, does that game, does that change your mind at all about Breeze as the top MVP candidate? No, I mean, it was just uh, one of them games, you know. I mean, let's face it, they won 10 in a row. I mean, that's a tough feat to to do at any level, especially the NFL. I mean, he he had a bad game. It was a lot to do with the defense, and uh, he just wasn't real sharp, but... You know, look at the full body of work, and he's still he's still right up there. I mean, I think the guy that gets no mention for MVP candidacy that really should is Aaron Donald. Well, I, that's kind of where I was going to go with this. I think that there are four guys that you can make a really legitimate case to an MVP this year. Breeze is one. Donald is another. Mahomes, obviously, the, the statistical resume that he's going to have this year is it, it's just going to scream MVP. He'll probably have 50 touchdowns. Um, anyone who's gotten in the high 40s or in the 50s and been a playoff team, it's been a runaway that they were MVP. He probably won't run away with the MVP, but he's going to be damn close. The other guy... We just saw him tonight. Philip Rivers has been having an awesome year. Um, the narrative might not be there. You, you know, Breeze has never won an MVP. So uh, if you're looking for a guy who hasn't won it yet and you want to kind of validate his career, it's going to be Breeze and not Rivers. Uh, the Chargers might end up only being the fifth seed in the AFC. But just the command he has of that offense and – how safe he is with the ball, and they, you know, they commit. I think now after that New Orleans game, the Chargers will be number one in um, turnovers this year, the fewest turnovers offensively. 
I think they'll be number one, and that's in large part because Rivers just doesn't turn the ball over. Um, I think it's those four guys, and my hope is over the next four weeks, it'll be a, a real race between those four. Um, what Aaron Donald is doing, leading the NFL in sacks, and he had two today and a, and a strip sack, um, leading the NFL in sacks despite the fact that he was being double teamed but something like 75% of the time, is just bonkers. Like the, it, it kind of defies logic. I mean, I don't know if you saw this play today, but LeGarrette Blunt's a pretty big guy. Aaron Donald threw him to the ground like he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just incredible. Like, incredible. Um, you know, I'm with you. Rivers been phenomenal. Um, that that game in in Arrowhead on a Thursday night here in a few weeks is is going to be something special. It's big. I mean, they're only a game separated in the standings, and Kansas City doesn't exactly have an easy stretch these next three weeks. They got Baltimore this week, then the Chargers in Week 15, and at Seattle in what will be a really important game for the Seahawks in Week 16. Um, so it, it, it's it's in play. It's very much in play that the Chargers could still end up winning the AFC West. They are not out of it. And the Chiefs are not getting Kareem Hunt back. So, I mean, that's... No. Oh. Uh, we need to do the weekly worst. We... Uh, we didn't do the week 12 week, weekly worst. We we could do the week 13 weekly worst as well. We could do that back-to-back. Um, I should mention that I've already clinched this week for the picks. I'm two games up going into Monday night, and we both took Philadelphia tomorrow. So that means officially heading into week 14, we are all tied up at 5-5-3. Five, five, and three. With four weeks to go. Got quite a race going on. Mm-hmm. All right, week 12, weekly worst from two weeks ago. I had three candidates. Um, and I'm going to leave it up to you. I've narrowed it down to three. I'm going to leave it up to you to narrow it down to one. Deal? Deal. Okay. Number one candidate, Blake Bortles. Thanks for Cody Kessler who quarterback Jacksonville to a very ugly win today. It might be Blake Bortles' last game as a starting quarterback. So that's number one. Okay. Number two, the Marvin Lewis-Hugh Jackson tandem, who were blown out at home versus Hugh Jackson's former team, the Cleveland Browns, who had not won a road game in something like four or five years. And number three, me. You? I picked, I, yeah, me. I picked Cincinnati. I bet on Marvin Lewis and Hugh Jackson. You did. I did. Are you kidding me? That's awful. Word. I, I think I deserve it. Honestly, I, I really think I do. Because um, you know just that. As a, Yeah, as a punishment. We, we 
get on here and we we make fun of those guys every week. Every week. And not only did I pick them, I actually I actually made the case that it was going to be a sort of revenge game for Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Just terrible. So there was there was two great things that happened in that game. Number one was when the guy intercepted the ball and handed it to you. <laughs> and then the Baker Mayfield thing at the end of the game. I just thought that was great. I mean, I know Baker caught some flack for it, but man, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I did too. And I man, people need to lighten up with Baker Mayfield. I'm not the biggest fan, but I couldn't believe, like, all the backlash, people trying to compare Baker transferring to Hugh Jackson yeah. going to a different team. Yeah. yeah Tell you what, guys on, guys on these talk shows love defending bad coaches. Yes, they did, do. You hear what, did you hear what Terry Bradshaw said about Aaron Rodgers today? No. But before the game... He was saying that Aaron Rodgers needed to shut his mouth and play because he has a darn good coach that he's playing for. So, I mean, that that ruined Terry Bradshaw's credibility. Yeah. I mean, who could honestly who, – who really has watched the NFL this year and with a straight face can say – I think Mike McCarthy is just a really good coach. I don't think you could say that for like seven years now. Maybe Terry Bradshaw should get the week 13 weekly worst. <laughs> so, uh, well, before we move on to week 13, congratulations to me for, for uh, betting on the Marvin Lewis Hugh Jackson duo in week twelve. Congratulations. Thank you. It's quite the honor. A lot of prestigious names have taken this award home before I did. <laughs> All right, so uh week thirteen You're now in the same category as Nathan Peterman. I am. I am. It feels good. Nathan Peterman, Dirk Cutter. Arthur Sikowski. Not bad. Good group of guys. Yep. Yep. Proud. All right. Uh, Week 13. The weekly worst. Um, Jeff Driscoll. Chase Daniel. Both weren't good, but that's expected. Um... Drew Brees and Andrew Luck, they both had subpar games, but I'm not totally ready to overreact and give it to one of them. Cam Newton, really bad, four interceptions, four straight losses for Carolina. They're only the third team this year not to score 20 or more points against the Bucks. I'm giving it to Cam Newton. He was awful today, awful. Do we want to consider Mike McCarthy? Oh, wow. You, uh, a rare moment of sympathy as we are giving out the weekly worst award. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather go at Cam. I mean. That's fine. 
It was a he wasn't good. I mean, it was four weeks ago that we were on the podcast talking about how Carolina might be the team in the NFC that could crack into that Saints and Rams tier. Yeah. They're 6-6 six and six now. They're 6-2 and two then. Hard to believe. Yeah. Real bad. Yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty crazy. Today was you. You can't send it. Bad, bad loss today. So Cam Newton, former MVP, is he the first MVP that we've had win the week, weekly worst? Roethlisberger won it last year, but he he's only been Super Bowl MVP. Wait, was he even Super Bowl MVP? Super Bowl MVP. Santonio Holmes won it one year. Yeah, Heinz Ward won it the other. Oh, that's right. Let's see. And going through. Oh, we had Joe Flacco, Super Bowl MVP. We had Eli Manning, Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. But never never a regular season MVP, though. For a regular season MVP, right. So history made. For the first time, uh, a co-host of the Jumbo Package has won the weekly worst, and the NFL MVP. Quite a day here on the Jumbo Package. History made. Yes, All right. Uh, before we get to college football talk, let's take a break to discuss our sponsor, the Tavia's Original Pizzeria. Paul, you had the Tavia's Original earlier in the week. Why don't you tell our listeners about how that went? Monday night, uh, they have a great special. You get two large pizzas for $22. I mean, what a fantastic deal. I mean, the pizza is fantastic. I mean, the best around. And you could get two for the price of one. Yeah, and uh, my my favorite pizza place in Florida, um, it's called the Relios. Really good pizza. Chicago deep dish style, which I like. It's not for everybody. Um but their large pizza, the deep dish, it's $24 for one. Correct. So you, you got two for $22 on Monday night. Two for $22. Um, just a great deal. Um, on either Tuesday or Wednesday, they got a nice wing special. Um, I don't know if, I mean, who doesn't like wings? I love wings. I know you love wings. I do. Pizza. I mean, Batavia's original is a spot. Um, great deals, um, great atmosphere, friendly, friendly people there. Um, just, just a great place to eat. Um, stop, you know, stop in tomorrow, get, get the two larges for 22, call and take it out like I did last week and, uh, you won't be sorry. Without a doubt. And, and we are definitely going to have to do a show there. Whenever I'm home next year, whether it's for for Thanksgiving, uh, which has been, we've had preliminary discussions here in the Juliana household, um, or, or whether it's in the summer if we have to do a season preview, the offer is on the table from Batavia's original to do a live recording there. Uh, what so really, what I say, what, what I think we should do is just order a bunch of food. And just talk football the entire time as we just, I mean, if we're, if we're doing a season preview, 
we did like four hours of season preview content this year. I mean, so we could have special guests on with us. Yeah, it, it could be. We, I mean, we could just get multiple pizzas, all different kinds of wings, the hodgepodge. We could get a couple subs. Just make it an all-day thing. Yeah, and just sit there and talk football and eat all day. Eat at the best pizza place in Western New York. I'm down. So that's the TV's original, the presenting sponsor of the Jumbo Package NFL Podcast. So, college football. Um, so I was typing some stuff out. I don't really know why. But I tinkered with it a bit, and now I'm just going to say it all. It's like one of those monologues you'd hear on a sports talk radio show. It's got a good name, like the one big thing or something catchy like that. Mm -hmm. um, even though it's the name of a column I write, I'm going to call this Sunny Seds. And maybe I'll do it more down the road, or maybe I won't. I'm not sure. We'll see. So I, I just it, – there's like four paragraphs of, of some thoughts I have. So if you afford me the time, I'm going to read it. Floor is yours. Okay. So I, and I'm going to need a little bit of participation on your part. Um, so I, I want to just ask a really forward question to start this off, really straightforward. And actually it's a two-part question. So the first part of this question is this. Can we agree that the individuals at or near the top of the National Collegiate Athletic Association are some of the greediest and most selfish individuals alive? Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. We're, we're on the same page. It's good as we move forward. Um, coaches and athletic directors and Executives within the NCAA are getting paid millions of dollars annually, but no money can go to the players because there just isn't enough money to go around. Uh, that's despite the fact that as of 2017, the average Division One football program made $31.9 million annually. Nick Saban will get a $1.1 million bonus if Alabama wins the title this year. But there's just no way the players on Alabama's roster could get 10% of that annually. And look, I know that a lot of players are on scholarships, and that's great, but as a communication major at FCCU, I could have gotten scholarships. And I, I wasn't a part of a program that was contributing to building brand recognition and bringing in millions and millions of real dollars to the school every year. So those are two totally different situations. Yes. So back to my original point. How hasn't this bunch of greedy bastards agreed to expand the college football playoff to eight teams when there's so much money that they're just leaving on the table? Whenever it's brought up to expand the playoff, you hear all these guys bust into this whole well, these are student-athletes, and we're looking out for their physical well-being, and their time in the classroom is important, and we can't play any more games than we already are. And we all know that they don't give a shit about any of that. So how about this? 
Alabama has played 16 non-conference games in the last four years. Twelve of those games have been at home. Four have been at a neutral site. Only two of those 16 non-conference opponents have finished the season ranked. Four have been from the FCS. So how about we just get rid of those FCS games off the schedule, and then the year-end total of games played wouldn't be higher for a team like Alabama than it would in the current setup if they were to end up playing in the national championship game this year. Anyway, here is my question, and technically it's my third question, but here it is. What am I missing here? Why haven't these people pushed for an eight-team playoff when all it means is an additional weekend where advertising prices and ticket scales will be through the roof. Because let's face it, the 2017 AutoNation Cure Bowl between Georgia State and Western Kentucky wouldn't make nearly as much money or create nearly as much intrigue as a playoff quarterfinal game played on the same day in the same stadium. Less than 20,000 people went to that game in a stadium that holds over 60,000. And looking at the schedule this year, who seriously is out there saying, yo, I just can't wait to sit down and watch Camellia Bowl between Georgia Southern and Eastern Michigan? The whole system is broken. Attendance is way down. TV ratings are slipping. There are arguably too many games and definitely way too many teams playing in bowl games. But there's a very simple solution. Every team in college football plays 11 games during the regular season, compensating for the potential that two teams, only two, will have to possibly play 15 total games, which is the max today. Instead of a 14 playoff, we do an 18 playoff. You take four bowl games from the opening Saturday of bowl season, and you make them quarterfinal playoff games. The eight teams that make the playoffs are the five teams that win the Power Five conference title games, because now those conference title games basically mean nothing. And then you take the top-ranked non-Power Five conference champion, a team like UCF was last year or this year, because really an undefeated non-Power Five team should be in the playoffs. Like, I know UCF wasn't as good as Alabama last year, but in their 14-0 season, they beat three ranked teams. That's one more than Oklahoma has defeated so far this year. And then the final two spots go to the two top-ranked teams that didn't win a conference title. You have a committee that ranks them one through eight in the playoff of set. On New Year's Day, two weeks later, after the, the quarterfinals, you play the semifinals, and then you have the national championship game a week later. It's simple. So simple that I actually believe sometime soon these moronic and absurdly greedy individuals will actually have the presence of mind to make the change. Suppose it's better late than never, right? Yes, sir. That's all I've got. need to get all that off my chest. I've, I've long been an advocate of the 18 playoffs. I, I tweet about it all the time. Um, I, I, was, I was hoping that despite the loss, Georgia would still get the four seed 
just to show that, like, okay, it doesn't matter that we have a two or a one-loss Big 12 champion. It doesn't matter that we have a one-loss Big 10 champion. We're going to take the two-loss team from the SEC that didn't win the conference championship. I was hoping that that would be the scenario that played out because I felt like more people would get on board with this idea. Although it does seem like from what I've seen on Twitter, it, every year it seems like more and more people are behind the 18 playoff. Yeah, I mean, and let's face it, Georgia's a top four team. I, I think it, it's very possible that they're the second best team in the country. I think it's very possible they might be the best team in the country. Sure. I mean... Sure, but, I mean, if if Alabama won their next two games by three touchdowns each, it wouldn't shock me. I mean, Saban, Saban said it himself right after the game that they wouldn't want to play them again. I mean, for, for some reason, Georgia just can't, can't... They get in that fourth quarter and they play not to lose instead of letting Fromm continue to do what he was doing so well. Um, I, I read a thing that over the last two years, Georgia and Alabama have played 120 minutes of... I saw this. Georgia has been winning or tied 119 of those minutes and hasn't won yet. Yep. Yep. I mean... And I, I, I have to say, I, I think Tua lost himself to Heisman yesterday, too. Yeah, I wasn't. I mean, the, the, then does it go to Kyler Murray? Is that where you're going with it? I would have to think. I just think he was he was not good at all, and I don't think they win that. This is, this is my thing with Tua. I think he's a great talent. I think he's a little soft. I think if you notice... Every time he makes a bad throw or or an interception or something, he's always hurt. He's got to go to the tent. He's got to get looked at. He he like likes to make the big, you know, likes to have everybody looking at him. Um, I think he's great, um, but you know, he tr- I think he tries to throw a touchdown pass on every play. I think early in the year he got spoiled because Alabama was hitting so many big plays. And that's not going to happen every week. I, 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 really good. I, I just think I think Alabama showed that they there is potential that they can get beat. That I didn't think that there was really much potential, but after what I saw yesterday, there's a shot that they could get beat. So who who's the team that beat them then? I mean, is Oklahoma. I guess that's where we have to start because that's who they draw in the, the first playoff game. And Alabama opens up as a 14-point favorite. Um, Conventionally, Saban's teams have struggled with quarterbacks like Kyler Murray. Um, but, you know, Oklahoma's probably going to be without – Hollywood Brown, who's their best receiver. Um, looks like he broke his foot yesterday, which is a huge loss for them. See, I, I've i seen conflicting things about that. I, I've seen some reports that 
suggests that it wasn't as bad as they thought it was and that he will – it's a possibility he's going to play. Uh, that would be huge. What's that? That would be huge for, for – Yeah. Um, um, you know, obviously their defense, not great. <laughs> obviously. No, that's – and, and point. But I, I just think this is a team that in the past, I'm not saying this Alabama team is gone, but I'm saying in the past this is a team that Saban's teams have struggled with. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at you know, you look at Johnny Manziel, you you look at, you know, Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl a few years back. You know, teams that could kinda of spread you out, they got a little bit mobile of a quarterback. They're just going to throw it all over and kind of use their speed. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. Alabama is obviously the best team. But I think going into yesterday, I didn't think there was really much of a chance they could lose. Now I think there's – I mean, obviously I think there's still the odds-on favorite, but I think there's a little more of a chance that I could see them maybe getting beat. See what would – What's that? Clemson's really good. See, that's the thing. What stood out to me from that that Georgia game yesterday, it, it wasn't it wasn't what their offense did. And and look, scoring twenty one in the first half against Bama is an accomplishment. Going up twenty eight fourteen in the third quarter is huge. But I, I think the the problem here for Oklahoma is. They don't have the the talent on both sides of the ball. I think in order to be Alabama, you need to be able to get stops, especially with this version of Alabama, who, and it wasn't the case always in years past, offensively, this is probably the best and most explosive Alabama team that we've seen in the last few years. Uh, so... And the key for me with Georgia was the fact that they held them to 14 in the first half. Um, obviously, they couldn't close the deal. But I think that is how you're going to win the uh, game against Alabama. I think you need to have balance offensively. You can't be one-dimensional. And you need to be able to get stops. I, I, I just can't see Oklahoma getting stops against Alabama. They I mean, they can't get stops against West Virginia, um, they they've given up a ton of points and a ton of yards all year long. Um, for Clemson, if you ask me. Right, right, and look, Clemson beat him two years ago. Dabo Sweeney is one of the few guys who who can say recently that he has a win over over a Nick Saban coach team. The year before that, they came close. Um, and look, they with with the guys they have up front, four defensive linemen who will probably be playing in the NFL next year. They can control the game defensively, and I I, I think Alabama's offensive line a lot of problems yesterday. Yeah, the line is much better than Georgia's. Right. So to me, that's the team. I, as explosive as Oklahoma is, and, and 
the trouble that Alabama has had with with uh, defending quarterbacks who could run, I just don't think they have the talent on both sides of the ball. I think you need to be complete on both sides to beat Alabama, which is why Clemson two years ago was able to do it, which is why Georgia last year came damn close. They had dudes, I, I, I mean, two running backs who were contributing in the NFL right now. They had the best linebacker in the country last year. They had talent all over the field. So to me, I think Clemson is the only team that could do it. Now, can a true freshman quarterback match that Alabama offense and deal with that Alabama defense? That's the question. Uh, can Trevor Lawrence prove that he is ready to be in that spot? That will be interesting. And, and then, and in all fairness, that's if they could get by Notre Dame, who it seems like everyone has doubted all year. Um, it was just two weeks ago when they played Syracuse. Everyone thought Syracuse might pull the upset. They thought Syracuse would give them a game. They thought they'd be able to put points on them. Notre Dame held them to three. Notre Dame's a really good football team. I, I, I yeah. really do think that they're they're getting overlooked. I think they've had a great year. Um, for the people that think that maybe they didn't don't deserve to be in this playoff, I think they're silly. I mean. Uh, let, let's face it, they've won games in Chicago. They went they went from Chicago to New York to California their last three games to win. I mean, that that's tough. That's a lot of traveling on, on the other yeah. You know, that's, I mean, that's a tough thing to do. Um, and, and to go undefeated is hard. I mean, it, it's it's hard mm-hmm. to do, especially, you know, you wear that gold helmet. The, you got a big target on your back. Expectations, playing on NBC every week. You know, you're getting everybody's best shot. I mean, so, uh, no, Notre Dame's really good. I, I think, uh, you know, them and Clemson's going to be a good game. I give this, I give a little bit of an edge to Clemson. But, you know, I, I really, I wouldn't be shocked if, if Notre Dame hung in there and, and actually won the game. But, I mean, I, I would take Clemson, but. Yeah. Ian Book Ian Book's been good. They run the ball well. Their defense is good. They got big receivers on the outside that present problems to anybody. And uh, you know, they got a good offensive line. So that that game is that game's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. And for for how good Alabama is and the fact they might pull away in that game. It, it should be. It, it, I mean, even if it ends up a blowout, the chess match between Saban and Lincoln Riley and the Alabama defense versus Tyler Murray, it makes for a really, really intriguing matchup. Well, I was talking to Eric last night. I said Oklahoma might, if they play Alabama, might score 40 and lose by 30. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they, they aren't getting stops. <laughs> So, in your opinion, would you have put Georgia in? This is what I said today. Uncle Joe asked me this question, and he said, would, who, who would you put in? I said, who would I put in, or who do I think are the best teams? He said, both. I said, well, if you're asking me who the four best teams are, 
I think the four best teams are Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame, in that order. I said, if you're asking me who I think they're going to put in, it's who got in. I think, mm-hmm. that, you know, I think looking at it, if Georgia played Oklahoma, Georgia would be a favorite, probably by almost a touchdown. If Georgia played Ohio State, Georgia's going to be the favorite. I, I just think, you know, we look at the, looking at the teams, Georgia's better. You know, but they have the two losses. You know that you know. Granted, one was at LSU, very good team. One was against Alabama, but they got two losses. If they had one loss, if their only loss was yesterday, they're probably in. Yeah, yeah, they are. Because that that's the way that the selection committee made it sound, was that there was a pretty good distance between Oklahoma and Georgia from Ohio State. Yeah. And that those two were really close, and the deciding factor was that Georgia had two losses and Oklahoma won a conference title. Um, but I'm with you. I think if Georgia takes care of business at LSU and they go into that game undefeated and they're winning for the majority of it, um, well, first of all, I think if Georgia was undefeated, they would have been number two in the rankings anyway. So it's not as if they would, would have been four and stayed four. I think they would have been two and dropped to four. You know what I mean? Could you imagine that if if they played Alabama back-to-back weeks? It would have been great. And, look, I'm not a huge Oklahoma fan. I never have been. Um, I, I was rooting for it simply because if you look at the last two games those teams have played, they they are so evenly matched. You can make the argument that Georgia has been better. You, you, you laid out the set. They have been leading in these games against Alabama for the the vast majority of the time. Um, I, so, yeah, I wanted the third game. Selfishly, that's what I was hoping for. Um, instead, they get Texas, and I think they'll route them in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, so, so you think Georgia? You you believe Georgia is a top four team then too? I think that they're the second best team in the country. Yeah. But here here's the problem with with how they do the playoffs. We have no idea really what matters most to them. We don't know how much your record means versus the conference you played in, or how much your strength of loss means versus your strength of victory. We don't know how much a conference title means versus the eye test. Like, we know none of these things, and and the, the selection committee has been intentionally vague. They've never really spelled out the importance that they they place on all of these things. So, to me, if you're – because we've seen conference champions left out before, right? Last year, Ohio State, a one-loss conference champion, was left out in favor of Alabama, who didn't even play in the conference championship. Now, Alabama was better. They won the national title. The eye test told us that they were better, 
and it was validated when they won the title. So really, it, the, the the what what that tells me is who you lose to matters a lot, and the eye test matters a lot. So to me, I look at a team like Georgia. They lost at LSU, which is one of the toughest places to play, and they lost a neutral field game to Alabama right down to the wire. And against Alabama, that you could make the case that they were the better team. So to me, using past criteria, I would have had Georgia in. I thought they were one of the four best teams. But this is why <laughs> this is why there needs to be an 18 playoffs. Right? So every team that wins the conference championship could get in. And that increases the value of every game on your schedule. Right? If you if you can compete for a conference championship in that first weekend in December, you're punching a ticket to the playoffs. You're giving yourself a chance to win the, the national title then. By the time Ohio State played Northwestern last night, we, we kind of knew they didn't have a chance of getting into the playoffs. I mean, they weren't going. They weren't going to jump Oklahoma. I mean, let's face it too. Like Ohio State played Northwestern. Clemson played Pitt. I mean, Oklahoma played Texas. I mean, <clears throat> Georgia and Alabama. I mean. Look, it would have been it would have been a really good year for the 18 playoffs because you you have an undefeated team from the non-power five conference that is now on a 26 game win streak over the last two years, um, but they'll be playing in the Fiesta Bowl. You, you get all the other conference champions in, and then you have. Georgia, who's arguably the second-best team in the country, and you have Notre Dame, who's undefeated. You have those eight teams, and then there are no questions. I agree. I don't know. I agree. I, I just – I don't know if the committee's looking at who's the best or who's most deserving or, or what, but – to me, that that difference between Georgia and Oklahoma had to basically just come down to the fact that Oklahoma only had one loss and a conference title. I think they thought Georgia was a better team for it to be that close, but the fact of the extra loss and the no-conference championship is what put Oklahoma ahead of them. You're probably right, but the problem is they never say. No, we'll, we'll we'll never we'll never hear a consistent answer year to year. Um, why why certain teams get in and why certain teams get left out? I mean, who who did Oklahoma beat this year? I mean. They beat West Virginia and Texas the last two weeks. Other than that, what's the next best one on their schedule? Had to have been Iowa State right there ranked. And Iowa State. They won by 10 in, in the middle of September. I don't know, man. I mean, 
I mean, I think you would have just better. <laughs> for sure. But going back to the first game they played in November, they've given up 46 to Texas Tech, 47 to Oklahoma State, 40 to Kansas, 56 to West Virginia, and then 27 to Texas in the Big 12 championship. I mean, they gave up 40 to Kansas. Right. You can't look at the eye test and say this is a better team than Georgia. No. Can't do it. No. And truthfully, I don't even know that you could definitively say that they're better than Ohio State. No, but that, that, they got better. I mean, Ohio State beat Michigan, but Ohio State's got a way worse loss. They do, but if we're just if we're just talking if we're just talking eye test, I mean you could look at some of Ohio State scores there though. I mean Ohio State should have lost to Maryland. They had close games with Minnesota and Indiana, I think. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. No, they. I mean, there is a reason why Georgia was ahead of them. Right? I mean, but I'm just saying I test. I, I think if you put Oklahoma and Ohio State on the field against each other, I'm not sure I would say that Oklahoma on a neutral field is definitely going to win. I'm going to definitely say there's going to be a lot of points scored. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ne- I mean, neither team is getting a stop. <laughs> and I got to tell you, uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on that because if they played, I would probably give the advantage to Ohio State. Right. I, I feel the same way. Just I mean, Ohio Ohio State's best win is better than Oklahoma's best win. Yeah, but Ohio State's loss is way worse than Oklahoma's loss. No, I, I agree with you. But just if you go down the schedule – if you look at who they played and whether or not those teams that at the time they played them were ranked, which doesn't mean a ton now because things change. But Ohio State beat one, two, three, four, five ranked teams. Oklahoma only beat two. So I don't know. I don't know. It, look, we, we bitch and complain about how the playoffs should be expanded every year, the the wrong teams got in, this and that, but then bowl season comes around and we just eat that shit up. And I got to say, a semifinal between Nick Saban and Urban Meyer wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened either. No. No. Because I think we're looking at them two in uh... – I mean, them two and Dabo probably three best coaches, right, in, in college football right now? Um, I would say probably yes. I, I would have to, I would have to dig a little deeper to say for sure, but that, that would, those would be the first three guys to come to mind. I always, I have long had a, a spot in my heart for Chris Peterson. Um, just right. what he did at Boise State and how quickly he turned Washington into the class of the Pac-12. That's going to be an interesting Rose Bowl. little herb against Chris Peterson. Mm Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that'll be fun. Uh, it, it's a bummer that Mackenzie Milton got hurt. Because uh, LSU, UCF to be pretty good. Uh, Florida, Michigan is interesting. It seems like those two teams play each other like every year in a bowl game. Um, the one game that I'm really looking forward to, not not a New Year's Six game, West Virginia, Syracuse, which I can't wait to see what the over under is going to be in that game. <laughs> it's so. <laughs> That game's gonna be fun for sure. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to we'll have to carve out a little time in a week or two to to dive into these games a little bit more. Um, Absolutely. Truth be told, I haven't I haven't really looked over the bowl schedule yet, just because oh. there's NFL going on today, and right. um, but we'll have to. I'll we'll have to go over that, but it is way past my bedtime. I have I have to be up in like five and a half hours for work, so we got to wrap this thing up, buddy. Yeah, we're gonna call it quit. Uh, this was a, a good podcast. Uh, we, we we talked some good football, talked about some good food at the table original. I uh, hope y'all enjoyed the podcast. Uh, Sonny's got to go to bed. I got to go to bed. We're sleepy. Enjoy your night. We'll see you tomorrow or talk to you this week. Uh, Have a good night, everybody. All right, Paulie. Take care. Take care. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.